Sunday night when you're starting to find me, eh? Back at your back at home with your wife. I will correct you, you are wrong. Ghetto man and he fights in a ghetto way. He touched the bell. He can't even reach it. Are you guys fooling me? Are you guys, you better not fool me. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Two weeks in a row, folks. I'm back. Jeremy Brand here for another edition of Sucker Radio. <sighs> it's good to be back. Two weeks in a row. Wow, wow, wow. And we've got a doozy of a show for you. I've got two guests. I'm not going to talk much. All I'm going to say is three UFC events in one week in May. Fight Island in June. Right now, we've got Michael Chiesa stopping by the show first, followed by a nice, timely interview with JHK MMA, the man behind Kumite TV, following that up. So please welcome Michael Chiesa to the show right now. Joining the show now is a man who's currently on a three-fight winning streak. His most recent performance was a unanimous decision against Rafael Dos Anjos, currently ranked number eight in the UFC welterweight division. And man, does he have a fun Twitter page. He is Michael Chiesa. Mike, thanks for joining me today, man. It's good to finally connect. It took us a little bit there. No kidding. Funny enough, I, I actually, the first time I saw you, you were uh, 3-0 and at the time in Nanaimo, British Columbia at Battlefield Fight League 7, walking out to the cage against a local cat in a cowboy hat and booze from the crowd. I, I mean, it, it's been a fun ride to see what you've gone through since then, man. Yeah, it's been a wild journey, man. And uh, yeah, those are the good old, remember that? There's 20 some odd fights on the car, and I remember just being in the back forever. That was a wild one. Yeah, no kidding. Now, I mean, crazy times we're in right now. I'll, t- I'll talk with you about sort of what's going on day to day for you at the moment. Like, obviously, self isolation is something that's going on. Um, what's life going on like for you day to day in your household or in your life? I mean, what's it look like? What's a day in the life of Michael Chiesa right now? working right now so um she's a real estate agent so she's just kind of doing a lot of meetings from home and stuff and for me um i'm just trying to stay as active as i can um you know it's not a lot of people are training right now there's a lot of gyms that are closed and so i'm just doing my best to stay as fit as i can and and just you know kind of i want to hit the ground running when when some of these gyms open up and i'm able to get back to work so do you have an at-home gym or, or are you just like out on the streets running, you know, shadow boxing? Yeah, I'm running and just kind of working out at home mainly. I know a lot of guys are, are trying to do the little private things. You're, you're not into that right now? Yeah, I mean, I am. I mean, just not a lot of people are really training right now. So the whole myth and, you know, things like that, um, you know, but, you know, working on having some, some little home gym stuff here and you know, I'm lifting weights and I'm running and. Um, you know, I'm able to get some type of work in, but just not the type of consistency that I'm looking for, but I'm sure that's the same for kind of everybody. For sure. Now I know when this stuff first started, uh, you know, blowing up you're you guys were still training. Were you thinking, Oh my goodness, this shit's about to hit the fan. Well, uh, you know, people are dying, but yeah, I mean, my, my uncle in Italy died from it. So, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a real thing. And, and, uh, I'm sorry to hear about that. I didn't actually know that about your uncle in Italy. What was was he diagnosed early? What what happened with that? Old, you know, like, um, well, he just uh, he's just really old. He lived in Italy and he just got coronavirus. I mean, it's pretty 
pretty cut and dry. You know what I mean? Not nothing, nothing too crazy about it. Just you know, just poor luck. For sure. Now I I know early on, like a few weeks ago, when they announced you know Fight Island and stuff like that, you were all over that. You you said I'd love to fight on Fight Island. Who do you want to see me fight against? And then yesterday you put out the post on your Instagram page about you know staying safe and whatnot. So if Fight Island happened in June. Do you want to be on that card, or, or are you still no, of the no? It's not, it's not realistic for me with the timeline. I mean, I, I for me, um, you know, I know some guys want to jump out and just go right to it, but you know, I look at the guys ahead of me. I'm not going to fight behind me, um, and those are some really talented fighters. It's just one of those things. This is not realistic for me. Um, I'm not fighting for money. I'm fighting to win a world championship, and. I don't really recall jumping out and being excited about Fight Island, to be honest with you. I think you might have mixed me up with somebody because there hasn't been one indication this whole time where I've really thought that I, I, like Fight Island is not something that I'm not super – not that I'm not interested in it. It's just that, you know, since this whole thing has started, I've, I've been pretty adamant about, you know, not, not training or not taking a fight until I can get back to my normal training ways. You know what I mean? For um, sure. It's just not, it's, it's one of those things where for me, you know, the key to my success, these last three fights is, has been long training camps, lots of preparation, lots of game planning and things like that. And that's just, that's for me, that's just not realistic right now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go back on that. I, you know, I found a winning formula and it'd be, it'd be stupid of me to, to, to not stick to that formula, even if it means I have to sit out a little longer. Do you think these next events actually go down? Like Dana says, you know, May 9th, May 13th, May 16th, there's three events in one week. Do you think these actually take place and the cards that have been set are the fights that we actually see? Yeah, I think it'll go down, um, you know, but only time will tell. Um, you know, I know he's, he's busted his butt to make this happen, and I don't think it's the wrong thing to do at all. You know what I mean? Just because of my Just because my stance on it is, that I, I, you know, I'm choosing not to fight until I can get, you know, training partners back. So I can get back to where I can have my balanced training schedule. Um, that doesn't mean I'm against it. You know what I mean? He's doing what he's got to do to get these guys that, you know, these guys got families to feed and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, he needs to, he's doing his job as president to make it happen. And, and I think that we'll finally get over that hump. And I think we'll see some fights next, next month. One can only hope. Now, you you know, last weekend we saw Submission Underground, and I, I know you, a buddy of mine, Micah Brakefield, has been trying to get a matchup with you at, at Submission Underground for some time now. Is that something that you could see yourself doing? He reached out to me yesterday, and I said the same thing to him. He's like, you know, this would be a good training thing for you. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, I don't treat competition like training. Competition, I treat it for what it is. It's competition. And I don't care if I'm if I'm competing for a world title or if I'm doing a five minute grappling match. I'm not going to go into anything unprepared. You know what I mean? That's just not who I am. I, you know, I'm crazy. I'm wild and things like that. But when my name and reputation are on the line, I don't take it very lightly. You know what I mean? It's something that I'm I'm never gonna. I never want to show up inadequately inadequately prepared and lose. You know what I mean? That happened to me one time at the On It Six Invitational. I showed up totally unprepared and I lost my armbar. And ever since that day going forward, it's like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to have that happen again. You know what I mean? So, you know, I appreciate him, him, you know, wanting to see if we can do the match next month and stuff. But just for me, it's just not realistic. You know what I mean? That's not, 
that's not how I operate my business. You know what I mean? Really? It's not, uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense a month from now for him either because he, he can't even cross the border at this point. Borders are closed. So I mean, in the future is submission underground, something you'd like to do. Yeah. First, you know, whatever it's, yeah, I'll grapple somebody at submission underground, whether it's him or someone else. It, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean, for sure. Um, I, I, I want to go back because, you know, you made the, the transition up to welterweight. You're fighting at lightweight. I, I want to talk about weight cutting and, and sort of mindset effects that it, it's had on you and, and the fact that you did move back up to welterweight or up to welterweight. Um, did you feel at 155 that you were weak or fragile at all due to the weight cut or did the size advantage that you typically had make you feel even more confident? No, I felt like crap. Um, I was just too big for the weight class. Those last three fights, four fights, um, it was a battle to make weight. So it was, uh, I didn't feel I had really any advantage. I never, I never stayed at 55 to like seek any advantage. I just, I, you know, going back to what you, when you saw me fight in Nanaimo, you know, back when I was three, and zero, that's when I was at 55, you know what I mean? So I just, that's the weight class I've been my whole life. And, and, as I got bigger, I just didn't feel the need to go up. I just felt, you know, it was right to just stay where I was at. And, you know, once things started kind of going south and I lost two in a row, that's when I decided to change gears and change weight classes. Was it mentally draining compared to where you're at now? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was definitely taxing. I mean, it, it, it wore, it wore on me a lot, man. It was not, those, those weight cuts were not easy. That's for sure. Uh, one of our writers over at MMA Sucker had a question for you about the show UFC on the Line, which you you were a part of. Uh, how how did you get lined up with that, and are you into betting online? Yeah, yeah, I definitely I do a lot of um, you know I bet on the fights a lot, and uh, you know just there's people at the UFC that you know they they want to try to give me some reps with some desk work, and and you know I'm I'm pretty you know I I just pay a lot of attention to the sport, so. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things where they just wanted to give me an opportunity to, to get in there and, and, and do study some fights. And that's what got me into fights more than I ever had before was <laughs> doing the show with Yanni and, and seeing how good I started to do. And when I would do my studying and make these picks, I was like, well, shoot, I should probably just start betting on these more often, not just a big fight card. So, yeah, it was something that they were just trying to give me some TV reps and just kind of blossom them into something that I enjoy. Do you think that that could be the future for Michael Chiesa broadcasting? Yes. Oh, 100%. I mean, I did the Rio Rancho show as an analyst um, before, you know, this whole Corona thing took off. So they're trying to get me behind the desk, trying to give me reps, um, you know, and, and the ball was in motion. I was going to do the Portland show and stuff, but, you know, everything happened with the coronavirus and things changed and, and uh, you know, this is where we are now. For sure. Now, in the, in the intro, I, I mentioned the fact that you're a must-follow on Twitter. A few things I want to ask from some tweets that you've had out there. Uh, first off, the 90s heartthrob debate. Uh, you, you put that out there. You put out uh, a pick between two different movies, Rocky IV or Karate Kid. I got to ask you, you know, you put the questions out there, but what were your answers? Kelly Kapowski or Topanga, Rocky IV or Karate Kid? What, what was your view? Topanga, for sure. She's I think, you know, she's just more wholesome. That's who I was into as a kid. And then uh, Rocky IV, for sure. I'm Italian, so, you know, I, I side with the Italian Italian. <laughs> nice. Now, the final question I want to ask you, you spoke, someone tweeted about stuff that happened on, on uh, The Ultimate Fighter, and you responded with 
if you only knew some of the things that happened on the Ultimate Fighter Live, uh, give me one story that sort of sticks out in your head that that some people might not know. Um, well, I posted that video the other day on my Instagram of me and Al chasing the film crew. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. So that day, particularly, Al and I decided to kind of turn up. We had both just fought. It was the, it was the day off after I fought Jeremy Larson. And we just decided we cracked open a bottle of Bacardi and got on some rum and cokes, and things started to just get kind of wild. But um, Al and I actually we had, we ended up getting fined that day because we were like after that film that little video cut, um, we kept taunting the film crew and like uh, Al jumped in the pool with his microphone on. I think I took mine off and threw it in the pool, and we just like we're getting wild. Al threw like a knife into the wall and. <laughs> You know, it just got super wild, but that little video ended up turning into us getting fined. It was pretty funny. Fined by the UFC? Fined by the film crew for the Ultimate Fighter. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Uh, stories yeah. stories that'll stick out in your head forever, I guess, eh? Right. <laughs> All right, before I let you go here, I, I guess I'll ask your three-fight win streak here. Big giant victory over Rafael dos Anjos. You said you only want to fight up people ahead of you in the rankings. Who's the next guy that you would like to get your hands on if it is not a title contender? Uh, I think it's going to be Burns. Honestly, um, I love the guy. He's awesome. I think he's hilarious. Um, we've always been pretty cordial in passing. Uh, we almost did the quintet uh, grappling thing together. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think Styles makes fights. I think that'd be a really fun fight. Um, you know, he's coming up that big win over Damian Maya. So, um, you know, I think that's a fight that really interests me, but you know, we'll see what happens. You know, I got to get, I got to get back to having a normal training schedule. That guy, you know, he has Henry Hoof coming to his household and pads. He's got Kamaru Usman to train with and things like that. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm just trying to get myself in a situation where I have some partners and some consistency so I can make something like that happen. Are you coming out of this quarantine in shape though? Yeah, yeah, I'm in good shape right now. I mean, I've been lifting, I've been running, so it's not like, you know, it's going to take me time to get in shape. You know, I just, I need bodies, I need training partners, and, and uh, you know, that's what's most important. Perfect, man. Uh, I'll give you the floor right now. Uh, just let people know where they can find you on social media. As I said, the Twitter account is something you need to follow Instagram as well. So floor is yours for social media and sponsors. Yeah, just check me out at MikeNav22, and that's for my Twitter and my Instagram, and I think that links to my um, my Facebook fan page. And, and yeah, thanks for having me on. Sorry it took so long to connect. It's all good, man. Hope to have you on before your next fight or, or after all this uh, plays out. Uh, stay safe, and uh, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, thank you. This guy is popping his cherry on Sucker Radio today. Uh, he's combat sports reporter John Hyunko, also known as JHK MMA over on Twitter and Kumite TV. Uh, thanks for joining me today, man. No doubt, no doubt, man. Um, I'm, you know, happy to come on and uh, I guess uh, pop my cherry, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, as I said, pop in your cherry. It's your first time on Sucker Radio. Uh, I've been in this game for quite some time, but for our listeners... They might not know who you are, so let's take this back. When I like to have guys on for the first time, I, I like to bring them back to, to their roots and get to know them a little bit. 
Uh, how'd you get into the game of MMA? How did this combat sports reporting all get started for you? What was it like uh, getting into the game? Well, um, it's I guess the stages. Like when I was uh, in middle school, I remember watching UFC 2, I believe, on pay-per-view. Because like one of my friends, his older brother was completely into martial arts and uh we were one day we were messing around at the house and and he was getting ready for something and we're like what are you getting ready for and he's like oh we're gonna watch this uh thing ufc it's like fighting in a cage or whatever and we're like all right i guess we'll check it out since he's paying for it and then i remember one fight that i watched and i was just like holy shit like this is crazy is the fight when the guy the tall white dude with the karate pants kicked a sumo I think he was Samoan. Samoan, yeah. He kicked a Samoan in the face yeah. and knocked his teeth out. And th that's what I remember the most from that event. And and that kind of sparked my interest. But really, at that time, I was, like, into playing basketball and football. So, like, my my life was immersed in that. But I always remembered that from that, from that pay-per-view. And that kind of stuck into my mind. And then that completely disappeared. And then, like, years later passed. And then, like, I moved to Korea. Where were you living at the time uh, when you watched the pay-per-view? Oh, I was li living in uh, just outside of Tacoma, Washington, so oh, not cool. too far from you. Yeah. That's crazy. So I grew up over there mostly like middle school years. Teenage years, I, I grew up mostly around Seattle, Tacoma area. So like that's when I when I was able to, you know, experience the, the MMA for the first time over there. Um, most people, you know, when they watch the UFCs, they're like, oh, I remember Hoist Gracie, but me, I remember that more than anything. <laughs> Not That's Hoist Gracie. Eh, eh. I never, like, was the guy to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get into jujitsu now because he's been choking out everybody. Yeah. No, I just remember the guy kicking the other dude in the face <laughs> and knocking his teeth out. Or ponytails getting ripped out. I, I'm from that generation as well. That's pretty cool because, like, I remember watching UFC 1. My buddy had one of those black boxes, and, and we watched it in his yeah, yeah. in his basement, and and it was nostalgia. It was like, oh my goodness, what the hell are we watching? You, we had no clue. We just knew that it was this no holds barred shit that was gonna happen, and and you couldn't turn the TV off. So I, I'm glad to hear that someone else that is in this game was around way back then, because a lot of the guys that are currently in the game are you know the guys that were brought up on tough. Yeah, not not me, not me, not I I I heard about Tough like, I think years later to be honest with you, because I wasn't watching Tough. When was the the Forrest Griffin, uh, uh, Stefan Bonner fight? What year was that? I couldn't even tell you the year. I'm thinking, hmm, uh, it's early two thousands, right? Yeah, yeah. Because at that time I wasn't like I was knee deep in like college football basketball you know just watching those sports and then in 2004 i i moved back to korea right and then that's when i got back into mma again by uh because pride was going on at that time so at that time i was like full into pride and and just mma on this side of the world so like i wasn't even really paying attention to the ufc really until like i don't even know until maybe uh, anderson silva like at that time when he first popped onto the scene in yep. the UFC, maybe even a little before that. But uh, yeah, I was full full deep into Pride uh, in, in around that time. So like the tough stuff, 
you know, like people say, oh, you got to turn on the TV. These guys are like, I, I, I never experienced that. Maybe because I wasn't living in North America at the time. Fair enough. Yeah. So the tough one finale was in 2005. Okay. So yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so you said college sports and stuff like that. When did the whole media side of things sort of kick into the game? Uh, 2014. I believe 2014 is the first time I ever wrote uh, an article on uh, on MMA or combat sports. Um, I remember the event. The event was UFC Macau. Uh, the The article was about Tyrone Woodley versus Stun Gun Kim Dong Hyun. Um, that was my first article. I yeah yeah. That's how uh, I got started. But there's the story is long because like I was just sitting at home and I was you know I've been watching MMA for like I said 2004 to like 2014 so there's like a lot of stuff that I've seen and and experienced throughout the years and I was looking online and saying like hey there's a lot of media you know there's a lot of coverage in in the Western world but where's the coverage in the Eastern world so to say so I was you know online looking around and there was a website called uh, Asia yeah. Com. yeah and it was a it was a smaller website but pretty it was a small website but it was the biggest website in, in Asia that covered MMA uh, in English and and I just reached out to the to the uh, to the editor to the owner of the website and said like hey would you mind um, you know having someone come on and write some stuff like I'm interested I want to be involved in this culture I want to be a part of the 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 combat sports world somehow some way you know because i'm not going to be a fighter and i'm definitely <laughs> not going to be a coach so you know i want to contribute and that's that's where it all started did you have a writing background previously no i didn't have a writing background but i i'm, I'm actually i have many years experience of teaching english so okay i felt like okay if i'm teaching english i should be able to write something in english Definitely. <laughs> and then, so then the Kumite TV thing came up, and, and obviously you're, you're knocking that out of the park, man. Uh, I, I give you kudos with all the interviews that you got over there, and, you know, you're doing Q&As and, and so many cool different little things that you've got on that channel. Uh, when was that established, and, and was that after the whole writing thing sort of kicked up into high gear, or, or were you always thinking that you wanted to do video interviews? Well, the the writing thing, I felt like there's steps to the game, and uh, from the beginning, I felt like there was steps to the game. I felt like you gotta write, you gotta go to events, you gotta go to the regional shows, and that's kind of like where I started. I I wrote those articles about the UFC, but then I went to the regional shows and did play by play, which is probably the worst part of brutal. covering the sport. <laughs> is play by brutal, yeah. But I, you know, like. I think people should experience that. For like, sure. if you want to cover the sport, you should experience going to the shows and doing play-by-play, -play. and and it kind of gives you good practice on like being quick and uh, being fast, you know, uh, uh, on the money. You know what I mean? Like being able to, you know, con, you know, create things quickly. And uh, I think I learned that from doing the play-by-play -play and and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so like. I, I continued writing and writing and I felt like, okay, now um, I've been covering the sport for a few years. So I was like, man, I need to like expand uh, what I'm doing. So I was just like, okay, I'm, maybe podcasting is getting big. So I, I felt like, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. 
And then like I was thinking like, okay, I'm not going to do it by myself. So really Kumute TV was originally Kumute Radio and I was doing it with a, uh, with a coach out here in Asia. Uh, you may know him, you may not. He's the head coach of Tiger Muay Thai, George Hickman. Okay, yeah. So like I reached out to him. He actually was in Korea. We met up, talked to him and kind of told him like, hey man, let's uh, start this show. And you would be the 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 expert, you can know, because you fought and now you're a coach. It it'd be a good combination of you know going a back and forth. So we started that way, and then he just became so busy with coaching, and and just you know life on in Thailand is just insane. So just like after, you know, I don't know how many shows, it kind of like dissipated, and then I just had I just basically rebranded, and said, okay, I'm gonna focus on doing fighter interviews and not do it for like an hour, hour and a half, just kind of keep it tight with like maybe around 20 minutes and just focus on just me letting the fighter speak and, and, and kind of like being the conduit, I guess, for the fighters. And, and then that's what I wanted to continue doing. But now it's like, I kind of got away from the writing because I was doing the Kumite radio and the, the video interviewing so much. So Currently, I'm getting back into the writing because, you know, originally you have to have your hands in many different pots if you want to grow in in media. Mm -hmm. And I I kind of felt like I went away from that the last year. So now I'm getting back into the writing. But yeah, but Kumite Kumite TV is continuing strong. Like I'm going to keep going because that's kind of like my uh, my baby or whatever you want to call it. For sure. Are you are you continuing to do the writing over at Asia MMA? Yeah, Asia MMA, and and most likely I'm gonna start doing some writing for the Body Lock MMA, and uh, yeah, mainly those two places right now. Nice man, it, it's it's funny to hear your your journey through the sport because it, it's oddly, almost eerily reminiscent to to the way <laughs> I got into the game. Because I mean, I still love to cover the regional scene here in BC, um, and I I have a part or a page, a, a channel on the the MMASucka.com website that is, you know, BC fight scene. Strictly because that's the way I started in this game. I uh, I got into the, the media side of the game and, and watched the UFC, and that was the reason why I wanted to create the website. But I went to my first live shows here in Vancouver, and I watched the local cats fight, and I watched a lot of the amateur guys grow up through their careers. You know, I've seen the Jeremy Kennedys. I've seen the Cole Smiths, who's now in the UFC, Arjun Bular. I saw all these guys grow from their very first fights as amateurs, and I feel like it would be a disservice to the website to get rid of the local content. So continuing to this day, I still follow the local fight scene, and I still bring results to fans out there who want to, you know, view it on the website. I, I still bring all the fight news for the local scene because, as I said, I think fans still need to see that, and I and I want the grassroots of where we started to still be out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I still do it myself. You know, I go to pretty much all the shows. Like in Korea, I go to almost all the shows. Like even, it doesn't matter how big the show is, I'll go and just watch because you never know who the, the next Korean zombie is somewhere fighting at these local shows exactly. you don't know who they are you know what i mean like like you, you you just gave a list a laundry list of names you know big names that have grown into you know really good fighters and 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 potential big stars and uh you don't know and i think that's missing 
you know, in MMA right now is like a lot of guys, they just want to cover the UFC. And, you know, that's, I guess it's kind of like a broken record. A lot of people say this because people that came from covering the regional scene, yeah, they, they built themselves up and there's guys like out there right now. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to write, like, I'm going to be an analyst. You know, there's a lot of that nowadays, right? Sure it's like are, they yeah. woke up one day and now they're an analyst, you know, all of a sudden they're the, they're a Twitter professional, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's it's like when I see it, it's like, you know, I don't want to get caught up in like arguing with people on Twitter because there's no point in doing that. But when I see it, it kind of irks me. And then, and then I just turn off Twitter and be like, I don't want to look at that no more because it's kind of like you got to you got to earn your stripes. You know? Exactly. There's people that have been doing this for years and years and years, and they're still struggling to like build their name after years and years and years. And you want to come on and just think that you're an analyst because you you've watched like. UFC 200. Oh my! I, I hear it all the time. I get guys asking to write for the website that'll DM me and say, "So, uh, what's the pay scale?" And they have like ten Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you can write a ton, but you know what? You got to promote your stuff, and if you have ten Twitter followers, you might want to start a little smaller than you know asking if you can get paid before you start writing. Oh, do you have a background? Do you have uh, you know a resume of? Where you've written MMA? Nope. I've never written <laughs> MMA before. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's that's part of the game, you know. It's, you're not going to jump in and be getting paid. You got to you got to prove yourself. You know, it's just Exactly. It's almost like the fighters, you know what I mean? Like the fighters sure. are the same. For sure. And you, you know, know what? what? A mutual guy that we both know, James Lynch, he he harps on it all the time is says, "You know what? If you're new to the game, don't try to get the biggest fighters out there if you want to do interviews. You're not going to do a great interview. And why would someone watch your interview or listen to your interview with this big guy if Ariel has the guy on his show the exact same week? They're not going to listen to your interview because they don't know who you are. So go with the regional guys, build your name, find out who these guys are. And, and maybe as they get bigger, as you said about these guys that I mentioned, you know, if, if you've kept up with them the entire game, you're going to build a great relationship with these guys, and then your name will be known. Yeah, yeah. There's there's fighters that um, that I've covered, you know, from from like four years ago, that are contenders in the UFC, that that are champions, like Alex Volkanovski. You know, what I mean, like I've been interviewing him for years, you know, covering him for years, and it's crazy to see him become the champ and take out like. Jose Aldo and Max Holloway and now it's like he, he's just starting his reign as the champion and and that was just the relationship built up around the scene over here um yeah but the thing is like even to this day of course I want the big names oh, you know yeah. what I mean but I feel like I'm kind of like in that second tier of like interviewers so like I feel like okay I'll get some of the big names but I can't, I'm not going to get all of them you know what I mean it's just the reality I'm not big enough if I work for a bigger publication or or website or whatever maybe that those opportunities will come later but that's not what i'm expecting and that's why i still to this day i will interview prospects and and actually like right now there's so many people doing video interviews from home if you notice you oh know, yeah because of the quarantine or whatever yeah, yeah so like I, I was like okay i'm not gonna really interview the ufc people anymore because there's so much content on the ufc fighters right now video content from home yeah i'm gonna go and just reach out to like all the guys that are are that are supposedly going to be on the contender series 
every weight division. I'm going to reach out to them and I'll start interviewing them. And, you know, a lot of those guys, they're, they're the next stars because Contender Series is something that, you know, that produces big names. I believe they will be, there will be champions from the Contender Series. And, and I've reached out. They've reached back. I'm setting up interviews for next week, and, and you guys can see those pretty soon on Kumite TV. Smart move, man. Now, you, you speak of the quarantine, and, and uh, let's move away from you know this MMA side of things because I, I noticed <laughs> on your Twitter as I followed along, you were sort of in the heart of things when all this shit broke out, and uh, you, mm. were self, you had to self-isolate. You had to quarantine yourself for you know the 14 days or whatever it was. Uh, just talk about what it was like over there in, in Asia for you. Uh, when you found out that you had to isolate? What, what was the mindset? What was going through your head? What was the city around you like? All right, well, I remember, I, I don't know, it was it like in February when it kind of, like the city of Tegu, which is like south of where I'm at, it's kind of far, um, it kind of blew up, you know, it's, it like exploded the coronavirus down there. And... Uh, and and my job, you know, after that happened, my job was like, hey, you know, we're going to shut down for a week. And then it was two weeks and then it was three weeks and then it was a month. And during that whole month, I was like just staying at home. I, I don't think I even like left my house. So really, I didn't even know what was going on outside because I didn't leave my house for almost a whole month. How'd you get groceries? Of, uh, there, everything's. Hey, Korea is so advanced. Everything's delivered, so like <laughs> I just go online and anything that I want can be delivered. Amazing. Food delivery is probably the number one. They're probably number one in Korea. Like food delivery, twenty four hours, you could pretty much get anything you want to eat sent to your door. Nice. And uh, so it's so convenient, right? Like I, Korea is like built for quarantine, because. Everything can be set to your house. There's so many places you can reach out to, and uh, and and it's everything. You know what I mean? So, what is it? So, that it you, what, like, what, so you said you weren't, you didn't, uh, your work was shut down. What is it that you do for work? Oh, I'm I'm a teacher. Like so, I teach uh, English. You know, holy so, like, man, that's crazy because I, I I work with I, I work for the Vancouver School Board here as well, and I mean mm -hmm. it's as I said eerily familiar you and I, other than the <laughs> fact that we're on opposite sides of the globe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah, I I like I'm 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 more focused on like getting these kids into the proper high schools because there's like there's levels of high schools in Korea, okay, and my job is to prepare them for the test. And for them to excel on the test for high school entrance exams, and and sometimes college entrance exams, and and that's what I focus on here. So it's it's pretty intense work, but it's it's good. But right now there is no work. No, yeah. Because uh, for the past, I think I I've probably worked probably I probably worked um, four times in the past two months. Wow. So uh, I've been at home trying to like boggle my brain and figure out like, okay, what can I do to improve myself on the media side of MMA? And then also like do some other stuff, you know, like uh, improve my Korean skills. You know what I mean? Like English is my first language and Korean is my second language. So it's okay. English is all right. But now I got to take this time to improve myself on uh, another language, my second language. And, uh, and then like, of course, exercise and and I think that's what people should be doing right now is they should be working on things that they can do at home and not just sit there on their ass and uh, 
and watch Netflix all day and, <laughs> and TV and complain about shit. Because really, complaining doesn't do anything except for probably put you in a depression exactly. at home. Yeah, I'm sorry for yourself. For sure. And they say that, you know, if you're not coming out of this quarantine with a newfound skill, then you've been doing something wrong. So what what is that skill that you think you're going to come out of this quarantine with? Um, A, a few things like uh, elevated uh, proficiency in, in my Korean, you know, like I want to be able to uh, be better at communicating in Korean. So I'm going to study Korean and, and practice that more at home. And uh, and writing, I'm I'm focusing on more on like writing features because I haven't done that in so many like in years. So like right now, I'm just trying to build and get better at that. And uh, and and yeah, and just add to the resume. So like if one of these places has an opening, you know, like I'll I'll be a a better candidate for for them. But if if not, you know, I, mean, I just continue to do what I'm doing, and and something will come along. I'm pretty. I guess I try to stay pretty positive in that aspect of like, okay, things will work out. It just, uh, it takes time. Makes sense. Uh, is there a timeline over there of, of things reopening or have things reopened? Cause here we're, we're still in lockdown. Like all the, the only things that are open are essential services. So grocery stores, um, obviously the hospitals, pharmacies, and whatnot, liquor stores, you know, essential places. <laughs> but uh, what, yeah, what's yeah. it like over there in Korea? Um, everything is pretty much open. It's just, um, I think certain companies are not open. Um, but and and the most people are working from home, or there there's a limited amount of employees that actually and go back go into uh, the office buildings or whatever. Um, yeah, if you want to go ride the subway or the bus, you can do that. Uh, it's it, you know, like cases of new cases have dwindled to like nothing, so people are starting to get comfortable. But then now they're saying, "Hey, you guys, you guys can't get comfortable because there could be second a second wave, wave coming yeah. <laughs> next month." And I'm just like, "Man, why you gotta say that?" Exactly. Just say you gotta be careful. You don't want to scare everybody, but I think some people they need that to be frightened to stop you know from stop you know stopping them from going out and acting crazy so yeah it's, um, it's interesting know, times man. we're in man it's, it's gonna be crazy because I, I was watching an instagram live the other day where it was a guy from a band but he was he was doing the instagram live by himself and he was like man i can't wait to get back with the group and and go out and tour and be in concert but i don't know if anyone's gonna show up because people are gonna be so worried about being in groups at a concert like at a stadium or something so I mean, we're in a time where everyone has been social distancing or physical distancing or whatever you want to call it for quite some time now, at least a month, if not longer. Like you said, in February was when things started to get locked down over there. So it could almost become the norm in some people's minds. And and that's almost scary at times, too, because the world is going to change. And what's nice about the one side of things is that, like, from an environmental standpoint, things have changed for the better. Uh, obviously, climate change is true. Um, we've seen what's happened because people have, there's not as many cars on the road, not as many planes in the air and whatnot. But it's scary that things could change in terms of not interacting as much as we did in the past. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so used to that. I'm, 
I'm <laughs> I'm not really like a social guy, you know what I mean? I you know, I have my close friends and everything and we meet up, but like I'm not out there uh clubbing and, yeah, and yeah. you know, want to be in coffee shops all day and <laughs> and and arguing with people and debating and all that. Like I'm not that style, so uh yeah, so it's like not not a, it has had a really a big effect in my life. But yeah, um I, I agree uh like, but the thing is, in Asia, they're already doing events. Like yeah. they've been doing events with with audiences. Like in Japan, they've had a few events, and you see people like just going to the shows and and just being careful about going to the shows. And and I I think last week there was a a Muay Thai event in Cambodia. Um, yeah, and they, they, there's a I, I feel like this picture is gonna be pretty famous in the future. It's a guy is like. A Muay Thai fighters in this corner, and the other guys in the center, and he's spraying them before <laughs> yeah, the fight. I saw that. <laughs> with something, I don't know what it is. Is it Lysol? I don't know. Why would you spray the fighter with Lysol before he gets a well, seven-inch gash in his forehead? Donald Trump or something. <laughs> 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 oh man! All right, just a couple more questions for you then before I let you go here. Uh, one mm. thing I want to ask is: Do you think these UFC events, the three that they've announced, do you think they happen? Yeah, I, I believe they happen. I I support it. You know what I mean? Like I support the UFC doing events. Um, uh, I'm I'm sure that that's not a popular opinion amongst a lot of people, but I I support it if they can do it, and and create the the safest safest environment for the fighters, the staff, and and whoever's gonna be there, um, and and test them before they go, and test them after they leave or before they leave. Uh, yeah, I feel like if the city or the state We'll let them do it. Let them do it, and uh, and and I don't think the UFC would would risk someone getting sick and dying just to do some shows. You know what I mean? I feel like they they they're gonna you know cross their T's and dot their eyes and and create a, a good environment for the fighters and and the coaches and whoever's there. Um, yeah, so I support it. I feel like all three events will happen, um, but I also believe that their one event could happen and they could shut it down. You know I mean, you never I, know. You I know just wonder how – what I wonder is how they're – like, I know the last event was supposed to be in California, and Disney caught wind of it, and, you know, the governor or whatever, whoever it was, pushed Disney to force ESPN to shut it down. But why is Disney not forcing ESPN to not do these shows? That's what I'm sort of wondering is, are they going to have that push again when they – figure these things out because disney's such a big company and i mean maybe they don't know that the ufc is doing this right now but when they catch wind of it is is something going to happen yeah that's kind of confusing too is why would disney not know you know yeah, there's got to be that's yeah. that's just a massive company they should know what's going on with one of their you know so i guess uh other companies that they own and uh but uh i feel like because of the governor calling disney that's why they shut it yeah. down. But this time, the governor is not going to call Disney. You know, Florida, so just Florida like, has stated right? that sports are an essential service. So, <laughs> Yeah, so Disney, at the end of the day, they're about making money. And if, if the UFC can and, you know, do shows and, 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 uh, and produce those, uh, those dollars, I feel like – and there's nobody in the government stopping them. I feel like they're they're just gonna let the the UFC do what they gotta do and let ESPN do what they gotta do. I just wonder about Fight Island more more than anything. Like, is that even real? I know, right? But how Dana's saying that there's a hotel and and all this stuff. It, it that's where things are gonna get interesting. 
And why would he build it just to get rid of it after all of this happens? Because it could be the coolest thing ever. It is. It is the coolest thing ever. We saw in, Bodog in, fights in, on in the beach. Sport. You know what I mean? Like when Bodog yeah. had those outdoor events, that was pretty sick. Yeah, like M1 Global had those events in the mountains, mm-hmm. open air. You know, like it's it's possible, but it yeah. I if they do build it, they should keep using it. I agree. They shouldn't just like get rid of it. No, not at all. Even if it's just once or twice a year, like it should be that big marquee event. Uh, I guess it's everyone's calling it, you know, the next fire festival, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that if they do, if it is real, they could do events there, like, uh, like at least like four times a year, and it'd be like these special shows. And then, like the rest of the years, they could do like fan expos on the island, yeah. and, and like do private like fight. You could do private fights, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Like, bring in some like, uh, oil oil monster, <laughs> you know tycoons and and you know those types of figures uh and and those uh the saudi arabian kings and princesses and whoever else can come and pay for it and and let them have shows uh, you know on the island why not but i always say like the island is people have this preconceived notion that the island is a tropical island it could be in canada it yeah, could be no one knows where the you hell could it be is living next to the island yeah. right now <laughs> exactly oh man yeah no one knows it's so wild, and I I really do hope we find out in June. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the fighters, especially the international fighters, they're just sitting on their hands. They don't, they can't go to United, they can't go to U.S. They can't get a visa right now. Um, so it's like Fight Island has to happen for them. If they if it doesn't, then they're not gonna be fighting for a long time. Mm-hmm. The only thing hard about this, and and I had Michael Chiesa on the show before. Uh, you came on here, and the, he doesn't want to come back until he can get into the training room and train properly and have a full fight camp. And I think that's where things get interesting for these fighters. Are A lot of these guys aren't actually training properly. I mean, they're not putting in – they're trying to put in full camps, but none of these guys are getting the full looks that they would in a real camp. So it, that's where things get a little sticky. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, most Most fighters – they if they're lucky they'll have two training partners yeah that's if they're lucky the other ones like i remember i interviewed uh peter barrett he was supposed to make his ufc debut on one of the cars that were recently canceled and uh he was just at home alone training in this basement with a squat rack and a punching bag by himself and and on top of that his girl or his wife is a nurse at a hospital, oh and they're in New York City. Oh, or, shit. Or they? No, they're in Boston. No, they're in Boston. They're in Boston. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> if she's a nurse, and she's coming back from the hospital back and forth, like, it's like, that's a major, that's a big risk right there, you know what I mean? Like, and he's training by himself. You man, know, it's man. just like the, the, the circumstances, of his circumstances are so wild that I, it's just hard for me to understand how he can go to a fight properly and especially his usc debut you know what i mean yeah People, you want to have been cut <laughs> yeah man you want to be ready you want to be as ready as you can in your debut fight unless you're called on short notice you know and and yeah. lose against a guy up a weight class or something like that um yeah like you said fighters have been cut so i don't know man like 
Yeah, that's that's the one thing that concerns me is our fighters gonna be ready. But then it's like you got guys posting, oh, this is when you figure out who's the real BMF or <laughs> I saw that. You're gonna this is when you find out who are the real fighters. It's like what, there's fake fighters out there? Come on, man. <laughs> they, these guys are savages, you know? Like, every single one on the roster is a savage. Exactly. Like, they could go out there and kill anybody in the street. For sure. All right, last question, final question I have for you. And it might be a tough one to answer because, as you said, you've been in this game for so long. But if someone is new to Kumite TV, what's one interview that you suggest they watch? What's the most memorable interview that you've done in your mind that someone should go and check out as a first-time viewer? Uh, this this is a question that it's not the first time someone's asked me this. And it is a very difficult question because every time someone asks me, I don't have an answer. <laughs> and then, like, I don't even think about it anymore. And then someone asks me again, and it's just like, okay, what, what interview can I go back to? And... Uh, it's just it's it's hard to say, you know what I mean? Like there's so many interviews that I've done that it's almost like watch it's almost like events for MMA shows. It's they just all blend together. And I can't really remember what is what. So it's it's I can't answer the question to be honest with you. If uh if if uh if there's a fighter that I wanted to interview uh and I got the opportunity to interview them, it would be Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is a fighter that I wanted to interview, and I and I, and I actually got an inter- uh, opportunity to interview him. And he was very cool. It's actually, yeah, I, I say Mark Hunt is a very um, memorable interview for me because he talks about like being in debt on his like his video games, like his computer games. He has some like I'm not a gamer, but yeah. he was talking about gaming and how he had like sixty thousand dollars worth of inventory on one game, and I was that <laughs> that. That blew my mind. Like, what? See, it's things like that. It's things like that. You got that information out of him, and and some other interviewers might not have gotten that. And that's the cool things that you can remember. So I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you mentioned Mark Hunt and uh, let the people know that that's what they should go and watch because no one would know that. That's a that's a news story that that no one has ever heard probably. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. And he talks about pride and stuff like that. So it's always cool to, you know, talk about pride and and him how he handled meeting the bosses and and it's just a, you know him. He's a very he's a big, uh, advocate of you know, of of USADA or you know of not taking steroids. So it's like, pride was full of steroids. Yeah. And it's just funny to get his responses of how he reacted to the news, of not even the news of just like pride and how they handle things. Interesting. It's funny because I, I've, I've thought about the, that question that I just asked you and, and the guys that I've interviewed. And one name that always sticks out to me is Joe Lozon. And I've had him on my show so many different times, but we're the, we're, we did an interview with him where he broke the news of that, that behind the scenes grappling match that he had with Nick the tooth. I don't know if you ever heard about that, Oh uh, yeah! But, oh, this was the show. Yeah, okay. my podcast was the one that he he did that interview on, and uh, so that was sort of cool because it it blew up. No one knew about it. Dana White put money on the line, and then it ended up being on like they showed it in a video format online and whatnot. It it blew up. It was pretty cool. So that's like one interview that sort of sticks into my mind. Uh, but John, man, JHK MMA. That's where you can follow him on Twitter. What else on social media? Uh, just let people know where they can find you and 
and anything that you have uh, to sort of shout out. The floor is yours, man. Yeah, um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at JHK MMA, all of it. And uh, yeah, and then recently I've been doing uh, these uh, podcasts. They're about an hour long uh, with UFC veterans. It's called UFC Nostalgia. And what I do is I go back and research their UFC career and then go through every single moment uh, of their career and talk about like the weight cuts and, and the training and, and you know, s- certain newsworthy uh, behind the scenes type deals. And they explain it in their own words and how they experienced everything instead of just having me talk about it or, or, or somebody write about it from a, you know, from a third uh, person point of view. It's them talking about it and how they felt at the time and how they viewed it and how they remembered it. And, and I, the first one I did was with Mark Munoz. Uh, it was pretty good because he, he got really deep into the Leota Machito fight and and uh, explained it very well of like what was going on and, and how he felt about it and and uh yeah but uh yeah UFC UFC nostalgia and, and then like I said earlier in the show I'm going to be doing a lot of the the prospect interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks and that's about it yeah go check me out on uh Kumite TV on YouTube and and put, hit that subscribe button Definitely, man. Uh John, thanks a lot for joining me today, man, and and all the best. Stay safe out there in Korea. You too, man. You too, man. Uh, wash your hands and and everybody out there, wash your ass. <laughs> Should be safe. <laughs> that was JHK MMA. Thanks to him for joining the show over here at Sucker Radio. Also, thanks to Michael Chiesa for stopping by earlier in the show. Uh, make sure you check us out, MMASucka.com, for all your news, interviews, uh, fight announcements, and whatnot. You can follow us on Instagram, at MMA underscore Sucka, on Twitter, at MMASucka. You can follow myself on Twitter, at JeremyBrand604, and on Instagram, at Jeremy underscore 604. With that, we are done. Another episode of Sucker Radio, and I'm out. Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. <laughs> Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads.